Here's the good news. It's going to be a shorter sermon than y'all were hoping for, isn't it? <laughs> if y'all had the boom, why could y'all be applauding with them? Never mind. Look, this is going to be the intro, okay? And, and I'm going to admit, the scripture I'm going to read to you guys this morning, y'all are going to probably say, how in the world from this passage of scripture can I have a spiritually healthy family and a spiritually healthy church? And so pray for me that as I share this passage of Scripture that God would speak from his word to you and also to me. So let's pray together, okay? Father, as we celebrate uh, in May and June Mother's Day and Father's Day, and God, as we think about how important our families are, Lord, we just praise you and thank you that you created this man and woman, and God, you ordained marriage and family and God, you want to bless our homes and our families. And Father, I just pray that we would listen to the Word of God, what it teaches about about marriage and about family and about home life and about how all these things can honor and glorify you. And we pray that that would happen. God, I, I pray for my own family as well as each family within the church, God. All of us are facing different trials and struggles within our families, but yet, Lord, we know that you have a purpose and plan for for our marriages and our homes. And God, I just pray again that we would give our families and our marriages and our homes over to you. Father, please speak through your word today and in the coming Sundays. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that you will bring your Bible. And I hope that you will not only follow as I read these passages of Scripture, but I hope that you will read the book of Titus. And it's only 46 verses, all right, 46 verses. And uh, probably when you start reading, you're going to say, what in the world does this have to do about families? And I hope and pray that in this, this morning and next Sunday, especially and probably the following Sunday, we can point out what Titus says about families. But listen as I read the first 15 verses in in Titus, okay? But as for you, teach what befits sound doctrine. And, And I know that first sentence, again, does that have anything to do with the family? Well, yes, it does. At the church in Crete, there were many false teachers. There were many people that were trying to mislead the Christians and lead them away from faith in Jesus Christ and following Jesus Christ. And folks, I think that that same effort, uh, different folks, different methods, but the family and the home, I think, is being tempted to forsake following Jesus Christ. And the thought hit me, you know, if you go into a lot of businesses, they have mission statements, don't they? And this is their goal and their purpose. Even many churches have mission statements. Jesus gave us a mission statement. that We call it the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and make disciples. But let me just pose this question because we don't have a mission statement at our home. And to be quite frank with you, this thought struck me this morning. Do we have a mission statement for our families? something to think about. What is our mission in marriage, in family, in raising our children? And then beginning in verse 2, 
Paul is going to point out four different groups. And folks, it's going to hit everybody in this room, okay? Listen to this. Verse 2, bid the older men. I don't know where the age limit is, but if you're older than I am or pretty close to my age, this would apply to you, okay? Bid the older men be temperate, serious, sensible, sound in faith and love and in steadfastness. Verse 3, bid the older women. I don't know any old women, okay? So it doesn't apply. I'm joking, all right? Y'all, don't be so serious this morning, okay? (laughs) Bid the older women likewise to be reverent in behavior, not to be slanders or slaves to drink. They are to teach what is good. Verse 4, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be sensible, chaste, domestic, kind, and submissive to their husbands that the word of God may not be discredited. Likewise, urge the younger men, group four, to control themselves. Show yourselves in all respects a model. Again, let me read that again. Folks, I I don't know if it really means a lot to you, but just listen to how Paul words this. Show yourselves in all respects a model of good deeds and in your teaching show integrity, gravity, and sound speech that cannot be censored so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say of you. And then verse 9, and you're going to say this doesn't apply to us. We don't have slaves in our day. The King James translates the word servants. Warren Wiersbe says, there are no slaves in our society today, but these could be considered employees. Christian workers must obey orders and not talk back. They must not steal from their employees, employers. You might say, what does this have to do with the family? Folks, I believe there are a lot of things that are going on in the family that is causing our society to fall apart. And I think one of them perhaps is the poor work ethic. And, and again, you might be thinking I'm getting a little bit too much into people's business. But folks, listen, how we teach our children to grow up and become productive citizens and become productive workers, if we raise them to be lazy, probably they're going to turn out to be lazy. If they hear us complaining all the time about our work and all the pressures upon us and everything, they're going to become complainers. But listen to what he says. But slaves or servants be submissive to their masters and give satisfaction in every respect. They are not to be refractory. Now, I've never really heard of that word before. What does that mean? Refractory means not to be unmanageable, not to be obstinate or stubborn, not to be difficult. And actually, the word means difficult to melt. You know what that means? And again, I know some of this sounds real strange. If you're going to purify metal, what do you do? You've got to heat it to get all the impurities out, right? And for you and I to become the people that we need to become, we must be willing to be broken and melted by God so that we can be molded into the people that he wants us to become, correct? And in verse 10, nor to pilfer. The word pilfer means to steal in small quantities. Items of little value. And folks, 
again, what's happening in our world? Why do we have to lock our doors? Why do we have to lock our cars? Why do we are uh, suspicious of people that are walking around through even our neighborhood? Because people will steal every cotton-picking thing you got, won't they? And folks, all of this does not, the training for all of these things happen in the home. We need to regain again God's desire for us to have healthy homes, which will in essence make healthy churches also. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Paul says, Nor to fill for in verse 10, but to show entire and true fidelity so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared for the salvation of all men. And he's adding us to see, he's adding these last verses for us to see what God has already done. For the grace of God has appeared for the salvation of all men, training us to renounce ill religion, worldly passions, to live sober, upright, and godly lives in this world. Verse 13, awaiting our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Are we waiting for his return? Are we living for his return? He is coming back. Are our families prepared for his return? Have our children been shown by our living example as parents and grandparents that there is hope and that hope is in Jesus Christ? There's not many ways to God. There's only one way to God and that is through Jesus Christ. And folks, we are to become in the home living examples and living witnesses to our children And folks, they're going to believe you as a parent or grandparent much quicker than they're going to believe me as a preacher and a pastor. And I hope you really believe that and will live that out. And in verse 14 and 15, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity, to to purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. Notice multiple times in the book of Titus, if you read it, the, the expression good deeds. And then he says in verse 15, declare these things, exhort and reprove with all authority, and let no one disregard you. Now, what does that have to do with healthy families and healthy churches? Well, this month, next month, because of, of a tradition, I guess, that we're going to talk about uh, marriage and parenting and our roles as husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, grandparents and children, as we talk about the church, I want us, first of all, to lay a foundation, okay, before we even start talking about what God says about the family and about the home. I hope these are some things that you and I would agree on, okay? And, and again, I think there's a biblical basis for everything I'm getting ready to say. Would you and I agree that God created us man and woman? And when God created us man and woman, God had a divine plan for our lives, In Genesis 1 and 2, the Bible is very specific that God created us, man and woman. And God created us as man and woman with the need for love and companionship. Adam, in Genesis chapter 2, was alone. Now, God was present with him. God created him with this need, though, for human companionship. So God, to meet Adam's need, created Eve to be for him, and I'm going to read uh, Genesis 2.18 out of the Living Bible, I will make him a companion, a helper suited to his need. And folks, you and I must understand, 
that as we grow up, especially as young men and young women, it's not just the sexual urges that become a part of our life. It is a natural God-created thing that we would feel that we're incomplete without each other, without companionship of the opposite sex. And God, God did more than just create Eve. God presented Eve to Adam in Genesis 2.23, and this became the first marriage. Marriage was ordained by God. And in the first marriage, they became one flesh. And folks, this is meant to be one of the most sacred relationships between a man and woman outside of their relationship with God. And this relationship in marriage not only expressed the love that man has for his wife, but together in marriage, husband and wives begin to serve God and love God together, giving not only their lives but also their marriage and their family to God for his honor and for his glory. And folks, I know you've heard all of this before, but let me ask you this. Have you and I dedicated our marriages to the Lord God? Is our marriage for the honor and glory of God? Have we dedicated those precious children that he's given us and those precious grandchildren that he's given us, have we dedicated them to God Have we committed ourselves in such a way that we would live before them and show them the way that they are to love God and to honor him? God instructed Adam and Eve to have children in Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And folks, in giving them children, the home was established by God. And folks, there are many purposes of a home. And I think one of the first purposes and perhaps the most important purpose is is the harbor of love. It is a place where man and wife not only love each other, but they love their children and they love their grandchildren. And many of you perhaps might disagree with me, but folks, the home was also meant to be a place of worship. And folks, you know that the, the, the church is not established until the New Testament. Folks, the original purpose for parents was that they would not only have children, but they would lead their children in the worship and service of God. And folks, I want to I be very, very compassionate as I say these words and, and very loving in spirit. Folks, I believe that we've got to get back to leading our homes to worshiping and serving God. And you might say, well, that's the place of the church. That's part of our responsibility. But let me tell you one thing. The first place of responsibility is in the home. And God will reveal himself more and more as you and I know this. And and God does this in the Scripture God commanded parents in the book of Deuteronomy to share with their children how God had revealed himself and blessed them. And let me read these verses, and you've heard them often. If y'all will give me just a few more minutes, I've got a certain place I want to get to, okay? God says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words, listen to this, these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart, and ye shall teach them diligently to your children. You can highlight that, underline it. 
Ye shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. And ye shall bind them as a sign upon your hand. They shall be as frontlets before your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house on your gates. And you might be saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's forcing religion on my children. Is it? But is that not God's command? And let me tell you something. What is... And again, folks, I want you to hear this in a loving way. Are we neglecting sharing our faith in God with our children because we think we're going to be forcing religion on them? Folks, I want to tell you the human spirit does not allow someone to force religion on them, but the human spirit will respond when parents lovingly share Jesus Christ with their children. And they might not respond right away. It might be later on in life. And folks, I just saw a headline in one of the Baptist publications. I was looking through the mail this morning, and it said, and it was talking, it had a great spiritual principle. It said, the easy part is planting the seed, but the hard part is having patience to see the seed germinate and produce fruit. But folks, listen, if we don't plant the seed of faith in Jesus Christ, what are our children going to do? Are they going to grow up and the world is going to tell them about God? And let me tell you something, again, it is not, it is our responsibility as a church to be a co-worker with you, but the home is the place where religious training and Christian training begin. And that has been ever since the Old Testament. Folks, this is not an isolated passage of Scripture. Let me quickly, again, I want to get to my point. But with all that God had planned and ordained for Adam and Eve and for the children, for the home and family, Satan also wanted to destroy it. And you remember Jesus' words in John 8, 44, and Jesus described Satan. And listen to this description. You are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. It's nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And folks, I want to point something out. Ever since Genesis 3, Satan has been seeking to murder the family. And ever since Genesis chapter 3, Satan has been lying. And folks, there has to be a decision made in life, in marriage, in the home. Do we listen to Satan or do we listen to God? And the first marriage and family did not experience all that God had planned for them. Why? Because in Genesis chapter 3, Satan tempted Eve and Adam to disbelieve God. And folks, listen, Satan's lies were, if you eat of this fruit, you will not die. You will be like God. And that, in essence, meant you will have control of your own destiny. And Satan was saying to Eve, God lied. You can do better than he's planned for you. And I believe that's the lie that Satan is still trying to put on our society today, don't believe in God, don't believe in His way of marriage, don't believe in His way of raising children, which requires that you and I as parents make a commitment to God and then follow that commitment out. And folks, listen to the consequence of Eve and Adam disbelieving God. Not only did they hurt their relationship with God, they ran and hid from God in the garden. But let me tell you some other consequences. It caused a breach between Adam and Eve. 
And the blame game between husband and wife began. In Genesis 3.12 it says, The man said to the woman, The man said to God, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. We blame each other for what's going on. And folks, we as husbands, we as wives, we need to take personal responsibility of getting things right with God, and then we can get things right with one another. And I bow my head in saying that because I am at fault so many times. But folks, here's what I wanted to build up to and I wanted to get to before we close today, okay? The family fell apart in Genesis chapter 4. That's a pretty strong statement. Do you remember what happens in Genesis chapter 4? Cain slew his brother, Abel. You know why he slew his brother? They were both bringing offerings to God Cain brought the fruit of the ground, something that he had raised and did himself, which gave no recognition to God's provision, but Abel brought a sheep. And because God knew the heart of Cain and Abel and how their offering, one was to give honor to God, Abel's offering, but the other was to promote themselves, which was Cain's offering, Cain slew his brother. And the first murder took place. And the first family fell apart. And folks, in Genesis 4, something catastrophic happened. And let me point this verse out to you, Genesis 4, 16. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, east of Eden. On the surface, that looks like a very simple verse, doesn't it? Two things are happening First of all, Cain said, God, I'm going away from you. Not going to believe in you, not going to follow you, not going to obey you. But there's something else that I've not seen. Where does he dwell? In the land of Nod. And, and again, that doesn't sound very important, does it? If you've got a revised standard, there's a little verse at the bottom that said the land of wandering. And folks, in essence, Cain wandered away from God. He went away from the presence of God. And if you read the rest of that chapter, Adam had more children and he sought to follow God. And folks, here's the catastrophic event. Cain and his descendants began to walk away from God and not serve God and not honor God and not believe in God. Adam's side continued to follow God. And folks, isn't that the truth of every generation, in every generation there's a great divide. There's the group that says we will follow God and we will seek God and we will serve God. And there's the group that says we don't believe in God. We don't have room for God. We're smart enough to know that there's no such thing as God. But what we don't realize, if we don't worship the one true God, we'll worship all the false gods that develop within our hearts and minds. And that's the point where I wanted us to get to this morning. Folks, listen. You and I need to learn that when we do life God's way, we're blessed. When we do life our way, which in essence is Satan's way, life is incomplete. Whether it's personally, or our marriage, or our family, 
And folks, there's two verses of Scripture that I want to look at, and I'll close, I promise, okay? John 10, 10 first, friend, okay? The thief. Who is the thief? Remember we read out of John 8, 44, Satan. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Who rules our homes and our marriages and our families? Is it the thief who will kill our marriage, who will destroy our family? Or is it the Lord Jesus Christ who will give our marriages and our families life in all its fullness? And I close with these verses out of Joshua 24. If you'll go back to that, friend. 24, verse 14 and 15. Folks, I think there are times in, in biblical history where people had to make a decision. Joshua lived in that day. The people were so caught up in following other gods and they had become a part of their own environment. And that environment had many different forms and fashions of God. But following those gods led to destruction. And so Joshua made this bold challenge and appeal. He said, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if you be unwilling to serve the Lord, choose, if you'll go to the next one, friend, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Folks, we're living in difficult days, and we'll get into this next Sunday, and, and again you might say, well, I thought we were going to be studying out of Titus. Folks, I think we're, these things are going to hook together. Are our families founded on the doctrine of God? Are our homes and marriages founded upon Jesus Christ? If not, we're in danger of our homes being like the, the man who built his house upon the sand. When struggles come, there's going to be a collapse. And in many homes and families, there's already a collapse. I'm praying that God will speak through his word to my heart and to your heart to our marriages and to your marriages, to our homes, my home, your home, and we'll make new commitments to know the Lord and let Him be the Lord of our homes and of our marriages and of our families. Let's pray together. Dear God, Lord, sometimes we see that so much is happening. Our land is hurting. Our marriages are hurting. Families and homes. God, we could look at all the bad things that are going on in our society, but God, help us to look to you. Know that you have a plan for our lives and for our marriages and for our homes. God, help us that we will choose this day to serve you. And may we as parents and grandparents, may we take the lead in showing our children and our grandchildren the way to the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive us, Father, where we failed you. 
Forgive us, Father, when we've become a part of our environment and we've not seen the sacredness of being man and woman, of being husband and wife, of being mother and father and grandmother and grandfather. But God, help us anew and afresh to commit ourselves and our marriages and our homes and our families to you. Give us strength, O God, to put Christ first in our home. In his name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is number 332, Breathe on Me. Thank you for those extra moments. I pray that God has spoken. Let's stand as we sing. Thank you.